Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Golf Smarter Mulligans. Your second chance to gain insight and advice from the best instructors featured on the Golf Smarter podcast. Great golf instruction never gets old. Our interview library features hundreds of hours of game improvement conversations like this that are no longer available in any podcast app. If you would, next time you go play, everywhere where you would use a nine iron, use a seven. A seven? Mm-hmm. Fabricate the shot that you need. You will be surprised when you allow your imagination to get in the way and stop trying to think about making the perfect nine iron full swing how well you'll be able to control a seven iron shot. Allow yourself the opportunity to play a different club than you normally would and see how well you do at that. I grew up next to a golf course and the guy who was the club champion came up every night after work and played as many holes as he could. And every night he came up to play, he carried one golf club. So he played his six iron off the tee on the par five played it all the way onto the green and put it out with it. He learned by doing this repetitively that I can make certain shots with this club because I can imagine what it is I wanted to do. With another interview from the archives of Golf Smarter, here's your host, Fred Green. Welcome and thank you again for listening to the Golf Smarter podcast. Today's show is part two of the conversation we began last week with the Golf Better coach, Rick Kosher. Now, when I initially approached Rick, I wanted to pursue his concept of your ball's flight plan, which is why I called him back for a second episode, because we didn't get to cover it last week. But this time we spoke for nearly an hour about so many other things that I'm having issues with in my game, Eh, the ball flight never happened again. But for me, it didn't matter, and you'll hear why. I thought this was such an interesting conversation that covered so many really valuable topics. Welcome back to the Golf Smarter Podcast, Rick. Thank you, Fred. Good to be back with you. I, I wanted to um, bring up, uh, we kind of finished with and, and promoted your, your golf, golf improvement scorecard mm-hmm. that you talked about. Thank you so much for putting the Golf Smarter logo on that. And we want to make sure that everybody is aware that you can go for free to thegolfbettercoach.com. Actually, it's www.thegolfbettercoach.com. And download Rick's uh, free golf improvement scorecard. It's a little spreadsheet that you've put together that you can print, send, go over to your local FedEx Kinko's, have them put on cardstock, carry it in your pocket. And I took it out on the course yesterday. Oh, great. And the first thing 
that was uh, an issue for me. And I, I, I want to love this thing, so let's work on it. Absolutely. The, the first thing was I needed to wear my glasses to be able to see this. And I don't generally wear my glasses on the golf course. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Little you, marks. You, you, you and I, too, have that issue. Yes, that aging <laughs> issue. But here's what happened. On the second hole, after the second hole, I went, okay, I'm done with this. This is, uh, this is too much going on because here's what happened. Sure. I hit my drive. It went left. That's okay. okay. So then I go over on uh, DA, right, drive accuracy, mm -hmm. um, and I hit my driver. So I put a, a check by the driver. Then by drive accuracy, I put left. Mm -hmm. Then my second shot went into a bunker. Not mm -hmm. a problem. Okay. So uh, I, then what do I do there? I put um, – so I, put, I hit a pitching wedge. It ended up in the bunker. Or no, it was my 9-iron. Okay. So you, so you check 9-iron. Right, check 9-iron. Okay, and now the next box you could have checked was greens and regulation. Okay, okay. but I, I didn't have a green and regulation. But right, okay. so what I would do there is I would put the direction that it ended up, an S slash L if you hit it short and left of the green. And I put that in green and regulation, or where do I put that? Mm -hmm. You can put that in green and regulation. Okay. Okay. But it ended in the bunker, so do I put B dot L? No, um, you, you could. You, you, you can develop your own coding system for sure. Okay. Um, what you're, that, that's not a bad idea. What you're going to find, though, is on your up and down. The UD. Okay, you would have used, you would have used a club. So let's say you used your sand wedge. Okay. Um, right. So it would have been, it, it wouldn't have been a chip. It wouldn't have been a pitch. It would have been an S for sand. Yes. And the club was sand, so you could put S slash S. Okay, so or but, say, but or you have a, a check mark for a sand wedge. So that would have been my third shot. But here's what happened: I got out of the bunker, but ended up in the rough on the lip of the bunker, just short of the green. Ah. So now it's like ah, there's too yeah, much to ride here. Exactly. You know, exactly. These things are exactly. great if you if you're hitting <laughs> par birdie par bogey all the time. But what happens on those holes that you go double, right? I mean, I had right, one right, one right, hole yesterday right. where I had literally came up to the front of the green. The pin was in the back. It was a, a undulated green with the pin tucked away over a mound in the back left corner. I had a 100-foot putt. I counted it out because you wanted to know the first putt distance. I had a 100-foot putt that – so I'm on into – I'm on in like regulation – my putt goes past the pin and off the green. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so now I have to putt. I have to hit back up onto the green. Although I could use my putter, it still doesn't count officially as a putt. Correct. But I, I go back. I made it up, and I came up within inches of the hole, and I tap it in for a bogey. But I was on in green, green in regulation and still had putt two putts. And still had right. Right, okay, right. that's my life on the golf course. <laughs> but you know what? That's most scorecard. This scorecard doesn't help me at all. What am I supposed to do with this thing? <laughs> the good news is, Fred, is when you go back home and after you you sat down and 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 had your refreshments, that you begin to look back over all eighteen holes. And I understand what you're saying because I too will have those issues. Okay, mm -hmm. so don't get frustrated just because we can't rewrite the entire round of golf on the card. 
You're um, going to remember what you did on hole two when you sit back and analyze. Unfortunately, I do. <laughs> There's a couple holes I wish I would remember. But, but here's, here's the purpose of the card. Let's, let's, let's talk about that nine iron you used for your approach shot on the first hole. Okay. Now, if, if, if you had used that club two or three or four more times during the round and it kept coming up short each time, then that's a consistency that we're looking at trying to understand, hmm, I'm always under-clubbing the 9-iron. Why? Uh, maybe I think I hit the 9-iron a little farther than I actually do. Right. Or you could say, yeah, but you know what? Um, I hit my 9-iron. I'm trying to hit it that far, but I can't hit my, my pitching wedge far enough. But you're coming up short. So let's say I'm coming up short, but I hit my 8-iron too far. Mm-hmm. So if you're hitting your 9-iron too short and you're hitting your 8-iron too long, then maybe we have more than a 4-degree difference in the loft angle of that club. Very interesting. So you're saying that the possibility is maybe I should go to a club fitter and see, check the lie angle of my clubs. In that scenario, that's where I would take one of my clients and look at their clubs and say, okay, let's see if there's actually a mechanical reason in your golf clubs that has you feeling that I can't hit my 9-iron because I'm going to hit my 9-iron, but I'm going to be short. But I always hit my 8-iron instead. I go way too long. So, so we're, we're trying to uncover with the scorecard little bits and pieces of our game to try to figure out where we could fix something now that we may be able to correct permanently. And, and if it's a lie angle or a loft angle problem, then, then maybe that's really what's causing our miss hits. In this case, too short, too long. In the case of lie angles, let's say that we seem to always consistently miss one of our clubs right, always. Then it could very well be that that lie angle is a little too flat, meaning the toe will have a tendency to make contact with the ground on our swing causing that face orientation to change and cause our ball flight to go to the right. So again, we're trying to chip away at it little by little, and and that's the way you have to improve your golf game because the game is made up of, what did you shoot, 82? Oh, I wish. I shot an 86 yesterday. All right, 86, so it's a good score. Well, you know, it's interesting about the – I do want to say one thing about this. I started off with two double bogeys. And was thinking to myself, this could be one of those days that I want to forget before I even get started. <laughs> but I calmed down. I caught my breath. I, you know, I stayed with it and mm-hmm. uh, only had one more double bogey on the day mm-hmm. and was shoot and did have a birdie on a par five. Okay. Um, and even got, got myself out of trouble a number of times. I just couldn't hit my driver yesterday. But there were a number of holes that were under or just around 400 yards, and I decided not to pull out the driver. So I was hitting my three-wood and hitting it well. Um, and my driver, it was a very windy day. It was at least a club-and-a-half wind. And um, so I just the driver was just hurting me more than okay. anything. So I just okay. started using my three-wood and was, you know, I stayed within, you know, the bogey part. So I felt like I had a – I when I walked away, I was like, that wasn't a bad round. There you go. There you and, and, and you see, you, you hit on something that's really, really important and, and, 
and we all need to remember this when we're out on the course, we're going to have a confidence issue somewhere in the round. And if, if we can always eliminate those things that are causing us a, a, a lack of confidence, meaning you discovered that your driver just wasn't going to work, so you put it away, that's a smart thing to do. Because now you feel confident that you're going to be able to put your three wood in play. So you rather play that club, even though you may have an iron or two longer of a shot for your approach. But, but you're starting off again from a position on your second shot that's, that's going much more accommodating and trying to make par or birdie. And that's what we're trying to discover with the card over a period of time. Um, yeah, I do come home with rounds, and I look at the card, and I go, what happened here? <laughs> i got to rewrite this whole thing. But at least I begin to look back at certain things. Well, let me see what was going on with my driver today. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and then I can begin to think, hmm, why, why? Why is that happening? Let's talk to the golf better coach and figure it out. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One of the things that I do like about what you've done on the uh, scorecard here is you leave the first, uh, what is it, six clubs uh, blank. The, the sl- blank. The first mm-hmm. slots for the clubs mm-hmm. blank because not everyone carries the same um, you know, some guys carry four wedges and, and one fairway wood. Some carry three fairway woods and two wedges. Right. But, so you just, so for me, it was able to, I was able to put in driver, three wood, three hybrid, four hybrid, five, six. And then right. you have seven, eight, nine pitch, gap, sand, lob. Right, okay. right. So you just put so, a check mark when you hit that club. That's all you're saying. It doesn't matter what the distance is, right? Just, just hit it. I, I typically will, will, will check it off and... And, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of getting an idea how far I am when I'm going to hit the ball. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I measure out I'm 150 to the center of the green. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so that's what I'm trying to achieve. And I hit my 7 iron or my 8 iron, and it, and it comes up short of the green. So don't get too hung up on exact yardage, but you didn't hit it 150. Correct? Right. So, so put down 135. I just write it in next to the check mark, mm-hmm. um, so that I have an idea when I when I go back over the card again. It, it, do I have a distance problem with a certain club, and why might that be so? Right. 
Right. I, I think that's that is the most valuable aspect of of what this can do for you. The scorecard mm-hmm. uh, is really let you know if you're pulling out the right clubs each time. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you'll see a consistency because you don't necessarily see that on your scorecard. Even generally on a, on a normal scorecard, we'll all keep track of is fairways, greens, and regulation, number of putts. Mm-hmm. And um, but there's a lot of shots, and and my short game is suffering right now, especially like 60 yards in hand. I'm having a real issue. And right. so um, I f- I'll find that there's no way for me to look back on the scorecard and know sure. where the problem is. So this is going to help let, a lot. Let, let's talk about that short game, 60 yards and in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what, what, are, what is your typical shot that you're trying to hit from 60 yards and in? I try to avoid it, first of all. Okay. <laughs> um, because um, where I think I could hit my lob wedge 50 yards, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Um, okay. I'll, lots of times I'll skull it or even, even 10 yards in, in freaks me out. Like if I, if, if I play strategically, especially on a par five or even like on these 400 yard par fours, mm-hmm. um, what I try to do is get myself to a 125 yard shot. Okay. Then, and then to me it's, uh, you know, or, or 110, 110, give me my pitching wedge, 125, give me my nine iron. I am so confident when I grab my club. I feel great. Mm-hmm. But if I'm at 40 yards, right, because I'm mm-hmm. on a par five and I, for some stupid reason I just wanted to hit my three wood on my second shot, and I'm at 40 yards or 30 yards, my knees are shaking when I grab my, my wedge because I'm afraid that I'm going to skull it or that I'm going to top it or that it's just going to just fly, you know, and not float. Mm-hmm. 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 And, and, and is that primarily your lob wedge you have that problem with? Or, or you carry a sandwich wedge at, say, a 54-degree loft? I do carry a sand wedge, and I'll, I'll use that for a 70 to 85-yard shot. Okay. All right. Here's a thought for you, and this is something that I work with that, that we, we generally start working with with golfers who, who, are, who are more accomplished in trying to figure out what type of shots to hit, not what club to use. Okay, but it works for all of us. So let's let's look at this for a minute. And what I mean by this is, is the shot we're trying to hit. Okay, we're at forty-five yards. Now, where is the pin on the green? Let's say we have a totally unobstructed view. There's nothing but grass between us and the pin. Does it is is the best shot there? A three-quarter lob wedge or a full lob wedge where you're going to throw it in high and land it soft. Or is the shot a pitching wedge, half a pitching wedge, 60% pitching wedge, 40% pitching wedge, where you're going to fly the ball in a lower trajectory, you're going to land the ball towards the front of the green, if not before the green, and you're going to let it bounce up and go on to the green. So often what I do is, is I, I refer to it as club gapping. What I want to know in my golf bag is when I'm at 50 yards, what three shots will work for me? Well, one I know is, is my lob wedge at about a 10 o'clock swing, meaning I gauge my position with my top hand on the club and I'm a right-hander, so that would be my left. So I say I'm going to move my left arm to a 10 o'clock position and hit the ball with that shot. That carries the ball 
X number of yards. But I might use a sand wedge at a 9 o'clock swing or an 8.30 swing. I'm big on clocks. I can visualize that very easy for me. Some people will think in terms of um, uh, percentages. I'm going to hit this 60%. I'm going to hit this 30%. That's because hit, those people are under the age. Way. Those people are <laughs> under the age of thirty, and they have never seen a clock that has <laughs> arms on it. They only know digital clocks. <laughs> Very good, exactly. But what, what I'm getting at here is the lob wedge at a ten o'clock might be a good shot to hit, but I got to throw it up in the air, and it's a little windy. And hmm, if I do miss it left, where's my biggest problem? That's a sand trap. I really want to avoid that. So maybe I'm looking at. At more of a pitch shot with with a less lofted club, but a less of a swing, and flooding the ball in on a lower trajectory, that I think I can control the direction much better, and I feel confident that the contours of the green, etc. If I land it in front of the green, it's going to kick up and roll on. And you see a lot of that in today's PGA players because a lot of them with the groove change have changed their strategy on how to hit shots onto the green. And that's what the USGA was after. They, they wanted to it, the game to become a much better shot makers game. Um, I, 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 I think they got fooled. Uh, because I, I, I think the PGA pros have demonstrated year to date that uh, the grooves aren't making a difference with their ability to score. They know how to hit those shots, and they've been doing it very well. I'm sorry. You've just walked into the lion's den for me. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Rick, I got to ask you, what's your index? I played about a three. Okay. Perfect. Thank you very much. And congratulations. And Thanks. then you bring up what the PGA pros are doing. Funny, but most of the time when I play golf and the people that I play golf with, I rarely see people that are single-digit handicap players. Mm-hmm. On the public courses that I go to and on the munis that I play, I don't play country club golf. Um, mm-hmm. Occasionally, if I'm invited to a, a local country club here, I'm playing with guys that may be 10s, 11, occasionally a 7 or an 8. Mm-hmm. Okay? okay, But most of the people that I play with are, do not have the ability to practice eight hours a day, six days a week. Most of the people do not have the ability to do anything but a swing. Right? I would contend that most golfers cannot do a 60% swing. That cannot 
grip down on the club and get solid contact that they want to change their stance so that they can change the grip on their club or the position. I, and for me, I, I'm okay. I should be speaking for myself, but I, I watch people when I play golf, not to give instruction, but to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think people have that many shots in their bag. I think that they just contending with 14 different clubs is difficult enough and being able to do different things with each club is why we watch it on TV to see these amazing feats that professionals can do. But we here's can't, the problem, we can't do right? that. Here's the problem. Yes, we can. Here's the problem. What we see on television is what we try to repeat. Without practicing. Well, no, no. <laughs> we, we see full shots on television all the time. Of course. And that's what we all go out and try to play. Ben Hogan said that everybody is capable of playing in the 70s if they go about playing the game intelligently. Now, if, if you would, next time you go play, everywhere where you would use a 9-iron, use a 7. A 7? Mm-hmm. And fabricate the shot that you need. You will be surprised when you allow your imagination to get in the way and stop trying to think about making the perfect 9-iron full swing, how well you'll be able to control a 7-iron shot. Yeah, you may choke down two or three inches on the club. Yeah, I may realize that I can't take a full, powerful swing. Allow yourself the opportunity to play a different club than you normally would and see how well you do at that. You know what gets oh, well, in the way Gary, at that point? What's that? My head. Then I start thinking about the shot. And, and, ah. the, worst, and the worst thing you can do when you're, you're swinging a club is thinking about it. Right? Actually not, because what you are beginning to do, and, and, and Nicholas was, was famous for saying this, Nicholas was always concerned with visualizing the trajectory of a ball flight. Okay? He visualized the shot, the trajectory, the ball flight, where he wanted it to start. He was always making a movie inside his head that he would replay when he struck the ball. He wasn't thinking about, you know, do I, do I turn my hands over for this? Do, do I play the ball back further in my stance? Do, do I swing hard? Do I not swing hard? Do I choke down? Do I, what he looks at is, is he visualizes how the shot, how he wants the shot to go. And then it makes it happen. I have people that come out who will stand there and, and tell me that they can't hit a draw to save their life, that everything goes out to right field. Okay, so we're not using video Skype right now, but my hand is up in the air. Could not, okay. don't even know what it means to hit a draw. Don't even know what it means to hit a draw. I mean, I wouldn't know how to hit a draw. Okay. Well, Pull hook. I had a guy, I'm great at pull I, hook. I, I, had a, I, I was doing an outing the other day, and, and this guy had this problem. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm hitting He says, look, I'm a terrible golfer. Everything goes high and right. I go, really? I go, have you ever played baseball? He goes, no. Well, I said, okay. I said, let's do this for just a second. I'm going to make a fist, and I'm going to set it in front of you. And let's pretend that's a baseball coming at you. And I said, I want you to hit this ball. Pick up your shaft, your club, and hold it like a baseball bat, and show me where you would make contact on that ball in order to hit the ball left. And he goes, well, 
he picks it up and he's looking at it and he goes, well, I guess what I would want to do is I would want to strike the ball on the outside of the ball away from me. I go, yeah, exactly. I said, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to put this ball up. I want you to tee it up. And I said, I want you to take two practice swings for me. This was in the middle of a golf outing. I said, now, I want you just to think about how you need to strike that ball in order to make it go left. So he took a swing, and I saw a totally different movement by him. And I'm thinking, he's got it. I go, take another practice swing. He goes, okay. And he did. I said, great. I said, go ahead and hit this. His best golf shot of his life, it went left. It started down the left-hand side of the fairway, and it stayed there. And he looked at me, and he goes, you got to be kidding. (laughs) And I said, no. I said, because what I asked you to do is I asked you to visualize how you were going to do this. And I could see the wheels in your head going, well, I'm not thinking about whipping my hips around or doing this or doing that. He figured out he was not a good golfer. But I gave him a challenge, and he was, he was more than capable of doing it when I asked him to think differently about it. Okay? I didn't tell him I wanted him to shut the face two degrees and to close his stance four degrees, and when he swings through to be sure that he drops down inside it with the right arm and come into it from the inside out, and at the last second, flick those hands over in order to change the dynamics of that club to make the ball go. I didn't tell him that. I asked him how he would do it. Did he try it again? He said he would on the next tee. And? Gone. I have no idea. Oh. But, well, but yeah, I, I mean, will, anybody can do it will, once when someone says, here, do I, this now. It's like, oh, okay. But I then do it on your own? Different beast. Well, it depends which paradigm you're going to start believing in. You know, if you're going to go back to how I've always done it and how I've always thought about this, then you're probably going to end up with the same results. But if you if you if you think differently about it, that's why I'm saying, play a seven iron instead of a nine iron. Don't worry about just think. And, and look at that ball and go, okay, so I know that the flight of the ball is going to be lower because I'm using a, a less lofted club, okay? I know that I can't swing as fast and as full because I need less club head speed, so I'm going to cut that down. So now I've got a ball that's going to come out lower and shorter. Where can I land that so that the ball will land and chase up onto the green? I, when I grew up, I, I grew up next to a golf course. And the guy who was the club champion of the golf course played, came up every night after work and, and played as many holes as he could, okay? And every night that gentleman came up to play golf, and he was the club champion of this private club for years. Mm. Every night he came up to play, he carried one golf club. Oh, cool. He, and he played as many holes as he could get in before the mosquitoes and nighttime drove him off. <laughs> so he played his six iron off the tee on the par five, played it in the second shot, his third shot, played it all the way on to the green and putted out with it. So he learned over time by doing this repetitively that I can make certain shots with this club because I can fabricate, I can imagine what it is I wanted to do. And and he would play like that. And he he turns around and he wins club championships when he gets this whole set of clubs in his bag. Oh, my God. 
the guy was awesome. So, you see, we don't allow our imaginations to work. We don't try to play the game of golf. We keep trying to make perfect golf swings all the time. Mm. And we think Please that's repeat what pros that. are doing. Please repeat that. What, we're tr- what we don't do is we don't play the game. We try to make perfect golf shots. Because we look at television and we watch these guys and gals and we think that's what they're doing. They're making perfect golf shots. But when you watch them in person and you look at what is going on around them in terms of where they, where they need to hit a ball to, they're, they're thinking differently. They're not thinking about trying to make the perfect golf shot. I'll give you a for instance. I had a guy come up to the driving range a little while ago. And he comes walking up, and it's like 7 o'clock at night, 6.30 at night. And I go, hey, how you doing? He introduces himself. And he looks at me, and he goes, he goes uh, I said, you come out to practice? He goes, no. He said, I just got done playing. I said, great. I said, uh, let me ask. He goes, I shot a 70, and I want to get better. Can you help me? I said, okay. <laughs> I said, let's start examining parts of your game. So I asked him to take out a 6-iron. He, he grabbed it, and he had a very unorthodox grip. And I, I said, excuse me, I said, can I ask you a question? He goes, I said, have you ever taken a golf lesson? He goes, yeah, too many. I go, what's the first thing they've always told you to do? They've always told me to change my grip. And I said, great. I said, put your six iron away and grab your driver for me. He goes, but you haven't hi- seen me hit a shot. I said, I don't need for you to show me how you hit the six iron. I said, I don't care what kind of grip you have. If, unless you can't count, you just came off the golf course and told me you shot a 70. It ain't in your grip. I said, grab your driver for me. Grabs his driver. I said, start the ball off at that post and fade it over that flag. And he did it. And I said, great. I said, now start the ball over the right flag and draw it over the left post. And he did it. And I said, that's great. I said, now we can work on your trajectory and your ball spin rate. And I can figure out how to get maybe another four or five yards out of that 106 mile an hour club head speed of yours, but that's not going to lower your golf score. So we went through the whole game with him, and granted, he's a really good player, but we yeah. got down to understanding what the difference was between a full sand wedge and uh, a, a 45% pitching wedge or a 9 o'clock pitching wedge because what he needed to understand, he needed to understand what his scoring clubs were doing and how to hit different types of shots, not different types of clubs, different types of shots so that he could land a ball on the green where he had the best opportunity to set himself up for a birdie because that's what he needs to make. Right. I'm not worried about him making less bogeys. You're trying to figure out how he's going to score. And there are pins on certain greens that you can go after, and there are pins that you have to stay away from. Sometimes you just have to say par is a good score. Bogey's a good score, end of conversation. But you get to that point by learning how to hit different types of shots. And we all can do that. Stop trying to make the perfect golf swing. Start playing the game. Last year's statistics on the PGA. Every statistical category that the PGA tracks, and there's many, Tiger Woods was not even close to being the leader in any of them. Tiger Woods last year led in three categories. Lowest scoring average on par threes, 
lowest scoring average on par fours, lowest scoring average on par fives. What did that give them? Overall lowest scoring average and the most money. So, again, here's a guy that we watch play these incredible shots that he has to make because he's missing fairways or missing greens or, 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 or not getting close enough to the pin for that four-foot birdie putt, but he's capable of dropping in the 35-foot birdie putt. He's doing that not just because he's Tiger Woods, but because he's using his imagination to figure out how do I get myself out of this mess and score? Not which club do I have to make the perfect swing with? Yeah, but how does that translate to us? It's the same thing. We begin. We need to visualize how we want the game to look for ourselves, and and go with that making the movie approach. Do we need the ten thousand hours of play to before we can get to that point of understanding? No, no. But you just told me a minute ago when I suggested to use your seven iron instead of your nine iron. Oh my God! I got to change my entire game around. That's a good thing. I've got to think differently. That's a good thing. Because you will learn how to play the game that way. And stop trying to make the perfect nine iron shot. Make sense? What a wonderful lesson this was. <laughs> I want you to test it. I want you to I, test I, it. I just, just fabulous. We don't play the game. We try to make the perfect shot. Uh, it's you're, yeah. I mean, it makes total sense. I wish I had the time to practice more, but if I have an opportunity to go out and swing my clubs, I, I'm going to go to the golf course and and try to get as many holes in as possible. Absolutely, and, absolutely. And, and 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 I understand that, and and that is okay. I'm going to be honest with you, Fred. Okay. You cannot become a scratch golfer by staying on the driving range. Mm. It's impossible. You can have the greatest driving range skills of any human on earth. Oh, yeah, I am a scratch golfer on the driving range. There's no question. Right. But you step on the (laughs) golf course and you're letting all those same swing thoughts that you have on the driving range control your game. Mm -hmm. Instead of, and I always do this with students. Listen, I say, there's one thing practice does. Practice makes permanent. Whatever you continue to practice, you are ingraining the neurons in your brain to repeat that process time and time again. Now, if you're not schooled and, 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 and well aware of what you're doing, then you're, then you're going to constantly repeat that, that same move the same way. Okay? Or do we, do we practice like we play? And I'll give you a for instance my daughter couldn't stand this, but she was one of the best putters out of all the high school kids she played against. What part couldn't she stand? She, she couldn't stand how I asked her to practice. Oh. I said, Kara, this is how we will practice putting. You take one ball out of your bag and you bring it onto the green. Now, every putt from within 10 feet, you get one shot at making it. Now, you have to attempt to hit that putt the same way you would every time you would do it on the golf course, which meant line it up, think about it, try to make the putt. If you miss it, 
pick the ball up, move it to another location, and try it again. If you made it, pick the ball out of the cup, put it somewhere else. Instead of standing there with six golf balls on the exact same line and making one out of six, you can't do that on the golf course, can you, friend? So what I said was... Not when somebody's to, watching. Well, you have to practice the game like yeah. you play it. Yeah. So set your mind, get your mind thinking about how do I make putts, not how do I miss putts. And I watch this time and time again. I watch people practice missing putts on the practice screen. They all stand there and practice missing putts. If you watch them, they miss most of their putts. And then to improve her long putting game, I go, listen, there's nine hole locations on this practice screen. You start here. I don't care which direction you go but you have two putts to get it in every cup. If you don't, you come back here and you start over again. And until you can play 18 holes on the putting green with two or less putts, you're not going home tonight. So you stand there and you think, oh, this is a 15-footer. I've got to get it within three feet. How do I hit it? Where do I need to? Let me look at this. Let me make the putt. Not standing there trying to make the perfect pendulum swing or the perfect back open, close, open, release, back. There's 18 different thousand kinds of ways to putt. You own one of them. Use your natural stroke and learn how to make putts. Train your brain that the only thing you're interested in is how do I put the ball in the hole? What is my line? What is my speed? And if I should miss it, where is the most likely place for me to be able to put the ball and make the two putt? Mm. Otherwise, I got to go back to the first cup over here, and I'm 17 holes into this thing, and Dad's standing there watching, and I'm going to have to do this whole thing over again if I blow it on the 18th hole. So that's what I'm saying. We do the same thing at the driving weight. We stand there and we play machine gun practice. How fast can you hit all the buckets, all the balls in your bucket? That's what I see people doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is how my students learn to play, practice. They come out to the range with a bucket. I give them one ball and I say, okay, walk over there six feet, put the ball down on the grass, tell me where you're going to aim it, and hit the shot. Now, you may hit the shot, you may not hit the shot, but if you don't hit the shot, you're going to come back to me and you're going to say, I'm going to ask you what, what happened. And we're going to talk about it. And then I'm going to give them another golf ball. I'm going to tell them, walk back over there, five feet away from me, and do it again. Okay. I've seen one person this summer on the driving range put their bucket of balls away from where they were hitting, hit a shot, look at it, walk back over, grab one more ball, walk back over to where they're hitting it, set up and hit it again. Oh, yeah. We get a bucket. We dump it out. Whack, boom, yeah. whack, boom. And all yeah, of a sudden, right. all 50 of these golf balls are gone. Rake and whack. And, and, yeah, exactly. Rake and we haven't accomplished anything. We haven't accomplished it. Why? Because we're, we're practicing hitting golf balls on the driving range. We're not practicing like we play. Mm-hmm. I will often go to the driving range and go, okay, I'm going to play Oak Meadows Golf Course right now. So on the first tee, I usually hit a driver, and I try to shape this ball off the right-hand side of the fairway because I have a back left pin, and that's where I want my second shot. So I'll pretend that I'm at Oak Meadows, and I'll put my tee ball down, grab my playing club, and make the shot, and decide, did it land there, or did it land somewhere where I've got to use a different type of second shot? 
Oh, it landed there. So what do I typically hit? I usually hit an eight iron in that situation. So now I go over and I grab another ball and I grab my eight iron and I go back over to where I'm going to play that from. I pick a target, simulating where I would be on the regular golf course, and I hit that shot. I'm not concerned with am I making the perfect swing all the time? We have natural swing tendencies. It's very difficult to change those. But what I'm trying to focus people in on is learn to play the game of golf, not make the perfect swing. So those are two areas of, of playing while you're practicing that helps you make a better game, not a better swing. And that's the direction we need to take our games. We need to go play the game of golf. Yesterday, uh, there was a single that came up behind us and probably joined us around uh, number, you know, 12 or 13 or something. And as we got to, he was, he was very entertaining. He wasn't a great golfer. He was having fun. Uh, he knew the course well. But I noticed at one point he had about a 14-foot putt. And as he was standing over the putt, he was verbalizing. He was actually saying out loud, two putt, two putt, two putt. I'm like, what? And he goes, I just want to get this in in two. I'm like, why don't you want to get it in in one? <laughs> why, why are you saying two putt? You can make that putt. And he goes, no, I can never make this putt. I just want to get it close enough so I can tap it in. I'm like, are you kidding me? Really? Just one putt? It's like, I just couldn't believe that that's what he was telling himself. Let me ask you a he, question. He also came Brad. up three feet short on the putt. Sure. <laughs> and Let I me know ask for, me, for me what I do, and I'll just throw this in, is – I try to, um, for my ball marker, whenever I go on vacation uh, to a different country, I like to get a coin that has a one on it. You know, the Good. smallest denomination sure. of coin. So I, can't, so I use as a ball marker a coin that just says one to remind me when I put the ball marker down there to, to, to line up my putt, to remind myself, one putt, one putt, one putt. I'm not that good at it, but I remind myself. Let me ask you a question. Have you, have you turned more birdie putts into bogeys than making birdies? Oh, yeah, I'm, I, do not, I do not make a lot of birdies. Okay, but we have birdie opportunities. Now, yes. granted, all of our birdie opportunities aren't four-footers. Most of yes. our birdie opportunities are, are 15-foot putts. Yes. Okay? And all we're trying to think about is making birdie. All right? We want to make birdie. So we end up hitting the ball too hard, and it's on the wrong line. And instead of having that tap-in-two-footer, we've now got a knee-knocker six-footer back up the hill that we don't seem to be able to make. The tour players are playing the game the same way. What they're trying to do is evaluate if they should miss it, where is it going to end up? Now, there's a lot of theories. Nicholas always said he wanted his ball to roll in the cup on the last half of a turn of a golf ball. Okay. Many modern-day teachers will say the optimum speed a putt should roll is one that would land within 18 inches if it should meet the cup, miss the cup. Okay. Either way, it's okay. All right? But if you don't accomplish that, where is your ball going to end up? If, if, if you hit them too far, too hard, or too soft, and they don't get there, then, 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 then you're facing a par putt that you don't have any confidence in. So 
you know, you, you have to understand that, that, yes, we understand we're trying to score as low as we can, but we can't turn a birdie putt into a bogey because we think the right thing to do is to drill it on this line and hope that it holds the line. But if it should miss, it rolls two feet past the cup, but just past that two-foot roll is a little slope that runs down 20 feet. And all of a sudden, you're looking at it going, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I missed it by that much. I was playing one day with a kid, and he did exactly this. He, he hit a long putt. And it rolls by, and it just misses the edge of the cup. And he walks by me, and he goes, how far did I miss that by? And I said, about 15 feet. And he looks at me and goes, you're right. He, yeah, and what he was thinking when he asked the question was, how close to the hole was it when it went by the hole? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, when, said, in actuality, it just kept going. <laughs> okay, he was 15 feet on the other side of the cup. He missed it by 15 feet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't get all high and mighty on me that you think that, that, that you should have deserved that putt that, that went burning by that edge and missed it by half a ball when, when you now have a 15-foot uphill side hill putt to try to make your par. Right. No, I was happy yesterday. I only uh, I only had one three putt yesterday. That's good. Yeah, I ended up with thirty putts on the day. That was that's a good day for me. But that well, also so, so thirty 80s, putts on the day. That means that means I that, didn't hit a lot of greens. Is what it means exactly, by shooting an eighty six. Exactly. Right. So looking back on your game improvement scorecard, where what was your average longest? What was your average first putt distance? Well, like I said, it ranged because of the wind. There was a lot of balls that got knocked down, so uh, I I didn't keep track of that the rest of the day. Um, well, let's just think it for 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 the sake of this conversation. What what do you think your average first putt distance was? Uh, fifteen steps. Okay, so that's so, about forty five feet. Okay, so 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 so, yeah, so that tells me that your short game, if you're missing greens, okay, that that you're not that your short game isn't capable of getting the ball, which is technically your third shot on a par right. four. Okay. So, so your third shot, you're not capable of getting that anywhere close to the hole. I need to learn how to consistently turn three shots into two. I mean, well, this is ways, how we started this conversation yeah, with the there, fact that my two, short game's in, in dire need. There's two ways to do that, Fred. Okay. The next time you go to practice your short game, take your nine iron, your pitch, take all of your nine irons through your wedges, okay? And s- start from the same location on the practice chipping green, all right? And let's say that you have a, a cup that is 15 steps away from the edge of the green where you're working from, okay? So you're off the green. You've got 15 steps to that flag location. I want you to put a ball down. I want you to first one with a nine iron. Second shot, you put a ball down, you hit it with a pitching wedge. Third shot, you put down, you hit with a sand wedge. And the fourth shot, you put down, you hit with your lob wedge. And I want you to do that over and over and over until you begin to understand how consistently one club versus the next gets the ball to the hole. Now, those are four different types of shots. Okay, you cannot hit 
your nine iron as far as you're going to have to hit your lob wedge in order to get that ball close to the hole. So you'll begin to see where your landing spots have to be in order to get the ball closest to the hole. So what I do with my game is I understand that my lob wedge is going to go X percentage to the hole in the air and the remainder is going to roll out. Okay. And my sand wedge is going to land a little further away from the hole and it's going to roll out a little further. And it keeps working back towards you. So I go out there and I develop a relationship. I understand that my nine iron, okay, might be a four to one, meaning it's going to roll out four times as far as I hit it in the air. So I've got a, I've got a 15 step distance. I know it's 15 steps. I just walked it off. So I come back and I go, hmm, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to hit a little pitch shot with this nine iron about four feet and I'm going to watch it roll out 12. Okay, I don't have that luxury because I have a sand trap in front of me. So now I'm looking at, I've still got a 15-step distance between me, but I recognize that I have seven paces to land it on and allow the ball to roll to the hole. Well, maybe that shot is my pitching wedge, my sand wedge. I know that I can, I can hit it nine paces in the air and let it roll out seven paces of roll. I'm not looking at trying to hit my lob wedge and, 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 and spin it so that it checks and rests next to the hole because I have to swing much harder, much faster. I have to throw it way up in the air. And if I don't commit to this shot, then chances are, I'm not going to hit it hard enough, and I'm going to end up in the sand trap. Or I really know I need to keep my club head speed up a lot with this, so I'm going to generate a lot of it. And you come through that ball, and all of a sudden, instead of catching that ball on the face of the club, you catch it on the leading edge of the club, and that ball takes off like a rocket ship and lands 30 yards on the other side of the green. So you develop a confidence level with, with the various clubs, but you have to discover what that is. That's what I'm saying. There are many ways for you to practice this game, but you have to devise methods to practice the game like you play it. Okay? So that's just another way of, 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 of improving parts of your game because the, the, the game of golf for 18 holes, first of all, most of the holes, you, you end up playing, there, there, there's four-par threes. So, so the most you're ever going to hit your driver is 14 times. And in many of those times, you may not hit your driver. You were hitting your three-wood yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, so, spend, so spend 90% of your time on the driving range pounding your driver and spend no time trying to figure out nine-iron, pitching wedge, sand wedge, lob wedge, 15-pace shot, which one works the best for me. So again, you got to practice your game like you play. Mm-hmm. And, and, and do that when you go out to play. Like I said, use a 7-iron instead of a 9-iron. Yeah. Even though you're playing the game, even though I know you're going to want to hit that 9-iron, Fred, pick the 7-iron and visualize how that 7-iron could make the ball get close to the hole. It's going to be a different type of shot than your 9-iron. 
But that's what you need to encourage yourself to do. Become creative. Play the game. I want to just let everybody know, especially those of you in the Midwest, in the Chicago area specifically, go to Rick's website, check him out, go work with Rick. It's going to have an impact on your game. His website, www.thegolfbettercoach.com. Where specifically in the Chicago area are you, Rick? I, I work out of Oak Meadows Golf Course in Addison, um, but I have a very unique approach to the game and a very mobile system. So uh, when you look at my website, check out my photo section, you'll see what I'm talking about. I've, I've, I've got a mobile teaching system that goes most any place. Okay. Um, and, so and, it's not I, just, and it's not just golf instruction. It's also club fitting? It is because they do go hand in hand, and, and, and we can discover that process together by allowing you the opportunity to hit different clubs with different loft and lie angles to see how that can impact your golf ball's flight plan. You are such a good instructor on, on being able... I mean, there are a lot of guys who are great golfers who become instructors that cannot verbalize, that cannot communicate the message that they're trying to get across. To many golfers who it, the game comes easily to... They have trouble communicating. They go into teaching because they love to play golf and they think they can help. But being able to communicate is so much more difficult. And I've had so many people on this show who have difficulty communicating. And I think that you are very, very good. Well, thank you, Fred. I was educated as a physical education instructor from Springfield College in Springfield, Massachusetts. There you go. And this was the belief system that I either understood or was ingrained in me during college. I always believe that if the teacher is the one who possesses the knowledge and the student is the one who's looking to learn it, then it's the responsibility of the teacher to figure out how to present the material so that the student can comprehend what they're trying to learn. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't come easily because everybody has a different way of thinking. It's just like that guy that I said, look, I'm gonna, you're going to hit this. I didn't tell me he was going to hit the ball down the left-hand side of the fairway. He told me what side of the golf ball he needed to hit. Right. So for him, that was a great way for him to just change his thinking in order to make that doesn't work with everybody. But during my conversation with him, I'm looking for a key that tells me, hmm, this is where I need to go with this. Because I need to show you a, get you to think differently. Hmm. It's my responsibility as the teacher to make sure that you learn. Awesome, buddy. Awesome. Well, I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I don't think we really can. <laughs> What's so funny is the whole point we brought you on is what is your, your ball's flight plan? And we've never really covered it in the detail that I wanted it to do. And I, at some point, we will have to. Absolutely. I'd love to. And, we, love can, to. and we can talk about golf in the kingdom at some point, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Everybody should read it at least once a month <laughs> or, or listen to it. Absolutely. <laughs> or listen to it on audible.com. Very good. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, again, the website is www.thegolfbettercoach.com. Rick Kosher, thanks so much for these two incredible lessons over the last two episodes of Golf Smarter Podcast. It's really been a lot of fun speaking with you. It's been my pleasure, Fred. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. 